my partner Brandon Averill today. Disclaimer, Eric Averill and Brandon Averill are the co-founders of AWM Capital. Due to industry regulations, it's essential to explicitly state that investment or strategies mentioned on this podcast may not be suitable for you, and you should discuss your specific situation with a qualified, certified financial planner. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of AWM Capital or its affiliates. For more information, visit AthleteCEO.com. Hey there, Athlete CEO listeners. I'm your host, Eric Averill from Athlete Wealth, and you're listening to the Athlete CEO Podcast. Each week, we aim to bring you world-class interviews with some of the brightest and successful entrepreneurs, athletes, and business minds today, sharing actionable insight on how to get more out of your business, finances, and life. You won't be hearing any vague theory or strategies from us. Our guests have walked the walk and are committed to sharing the best of what they know so you can apply the lessons they've learned. Whether you're an athlete, entrepreneur, or just looking to hear from some crazy successful guests, this podcast is for you. Now enough with the intro. Let's dive into today's show. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the Athlete CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Averill. On today's show, we sat down with Miami-based investment fraud litigation attorney Chase Carlson of Carlson & Associates. Chase has represented investors across the country in disputes with their financial advisors, investment advisors, brokerage, and wealth management firms. Chase has brought claims against almost every major investment Wall Street firm, including Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, Wells Fargo, Raymond James, Ameriprise, Credit Suisse, and BNY Mellon. A significant portion of Chase's practice is dedicated to representing professional athletes and entertainers who have unfortunately become victims of investment fraud or mismanagement. His clients have included athletes across the NFL, NBA, MLB, and NHL. And he has also represented one of the most successful pop and hip-hop music producers of all time, and one of the largest lottery winners in the history of the United States. So I'm excited for you, audience, to be able to listen into my conversation with Chase and very confident that you'll be able to walk away with the information that you need to make sure that you're choosing the right financial team to help you navigate the complexity of your wealth and ultimately help you sleep better at night knowing that all of the hard work that you put in, there's someone equally putting in the hard work that you can trust to help you achieve your goals and dreams. And so without further ado, let's listen into my conversation with Chase Carlson. Chase, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and uh, as I previously, you know, you and I were talking about, I really am most excited for this show for our audience because while we have lots of conversation with really successful business people or, or strength coaches, this is the one area that I think has the largest impact on whether or not our audience ends up financially successful. And so I'm very excited about that. And really where I thought we should start is a little bit of your background. Um, Obviously, you're an attorney. You've become known as the investment uh, fraud guy for professional athletes. And but prior to really working full time as an attorney on this, you had a background working in, in the financial industry. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. So when I was in. When I was an undergrad, I got a degree in finance uh, from Florida State University, 
while I was in law school, one of my best friends was an NFL player. And so I would always hang out with him and his friends. And, you know, I realized that these guys, they need a good financial advisor. So I went ahead, I got the uh, six and the, uh, I guess it was the 65, the investment advisor license. Sorry, the seven and the 65. And, um, you know, I was, I was uh, recruiting his friends and uh, guys out of college. And, you know, you, you know how it works. Um, and I learned a lot about the business through that. And, you know, what I found was that I was competing against guys who were offering, uh, literally offering Ponzi schemes and Ponzi scheme returns. <laughs> So I'd meet with a player, and so this is right after the crash when interest rates were basically at zero. You know, so I'm basically telling guys, you know, I, I think we can safely get you three to four percent returns <laughs> on your money. And then my competitors were saying, well, we'll get you twelve and a half percent. And you know, that's kind of what I was competing with. And so through that process. Um, you know, I made a lot of relationships. I learned how the business works. Uh, I learned who a lot of the dirty players in the business were. Yeah. And, you know, so from there, I, I ended up, I was working with guys who, you know, they were later round picks. They didn't have a lot of money to invest. Um, you know, so it wasn't, I was very young. So it wasn't really a, a viable long-term business plan. Plus I was planning on graduating law school anyway. Yeah. Um, so I just dropped that to eventually just focus on, you know, representing investors who have been defrauded. And through the connections I made and everything I learned, um, I was able to navigate through this athlete and entertainment space. And so now I think we're up to 27 uh, athletes and entertainers we've worked with. Wow. Uh, that were victims of investment fraud or mismanagement. Yeah. And I think it's great now that that you've really become publicly um, the go to guy when it comes to athletes for investment fraud, because I think historically it's been going on for a very long time. And, and I know that there's an insecurity over almost an embarrassment for an athlete to think of, hey, I've been taken advantage of. I don't know what to do. And so I think it, it's a great thing that that you're you know out there in the public. Um, it'd be really good. Let, jumping into that is, you know, one of the interviews that I, I was first really turned on to learning about you and the coverage that you're doing is, you know, last year, that 60 minutes interview. And what I'm really interested to hear about is, you know, maybe a little background on the specifics of, of what the case was, but more the NFLPA. Just talk a little bit about, um, yeah, the, the interview was 60 minutes and then, you know, really how players should interact with these players associations. Sure. So as a financial advisor down here in South Florida, he uh, quickly rose to have a just very impressive client list. Um, I mean, he, he was getting all the big UM players in their heyday and he had gone to university of Florida. So he was also getting those guys. Um, you know, he had, I mean, just, you name it, um, Fred Taylor, um, Santana Moss, um, wow. uh, 
Frank Gore, um, Vernon Davis. I mean, you name it. He had, he had really great clients and his problem was he, he put players in a series of private investment deals that most of them were real estate related. Um, and there were a lot of conflicts of interest where, you know, they were getting a fee for selling the product, then they were getting a fee for managing the product. Then, I mean, they were getting all fees left and right. Uh, it was bad timing. It was, it was, it was during the, the, the real estate crash. And then finally, uh, worst of all, he put a bunch of players in a casino in Alabama. And I mean, it was literally illegal to gamble in, in Alabama. They <laughs> built an actual casino. Um, it got shut down. The players got wiped out. And it was pitched to the players as if, you know, this is like your retirement. Wow. Or like this is a contract extension. Like you're going to make it uh, huge on this. And he was taking, uh, he was taking, you know, fees on that deal. He, he was just, it, it was a really bad deal. Um, he either didn't do due diligence or didn't care. And, you know, so he went from having this incredible, uh, this incredible client list to just being pushed out of the business completely. Um, so, you know, we, we represented uh, one of the, players that lost a lot of money. Um, I got invited on 60 Minutes. That was an incredible experience. I'm very thankful for that. And, um, you know, so as, as you said, one of the things that 60 Minutes was really interested in is that Kevin was registered with the NFLPA as a financial advisor. Yeah. Um, and a lot of guys, that made them feel comfortable. Um, and so your question, you know, it, it, the relationship between a player and the PA, um, you know, the, the PA's job is to protect the players and do the best job they can. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, the NFL PA, they're not experts at investing or selecting financial advisors. There's been some serious flaws in the pro program over the years. Um, you know, there's been a lot of guys in the program who unfortunately have lost players a lot of money. Uh, guys like Jeff Hodge Brombot, Aaron Parthamer, uh, Ash Narian. I mean, there's just, uh, there was recently a guy in the program who, this hasn't been reported in the news, but there was a guy in the program uh, about a month ago, it came out that seven players lost money in a Ponzi scheme. Um, so, you know, unfortunately, it just keeps happening. They're not really equipped uh, to do the due diligence. And so, it you know, they're trying to do a good job, um, but, you know, it's sort of a minimum thing. You, you can't really um, rely on it. A player needs to do his own due diligence. And, you know, there's going to be good guys in that program. There's going to be bad guys in that program. And then there's going to be outside of that program. There's good guys and there's bad guys. And so you can't just assume, you know, somebody's uh, honest and trustworthy because he's in the program. It, yeah. it really, um, it, it really, you know, you need to do your own background check. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. You know, um, 
It's been estimated. I think the last number I saw that, that you know, there's something like 308,000 financial advisors in the United States. So that it really is for the, for the athlete or entrepreneur or just regular investors trying to navigate this world to figure out who should I trust? You know, the, the NFLPA this year made a decision to now require the certified financial planning designation or the chartered financial analyst designation, which um, as I know you're familiar, the CFA, that's a gauntlet of three years to get over. And um, I think the reality is, is there's not going to be a lot, a lot of uh, those that meet that requirement. What would you say to designations? Do you think they're important? Um, you know, if you're advising an athlete on their walking down this to do their own due diligence, you know, is designations one of them? And maybe what are some of the other things that you would say, these are the three or five things that you need to think through when you're doing your due diligence? I think designations are, you know, obviously a plus. Um, you know, it means that the person has furthered their education and passed more exams. Um, so it's definitely a plus. You know, of course, there are good guys out there that don't have the designation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I would definitely, as I said, I, I would look at it as a plus. Um, the CFP, I've, I've taken the exam, I've passed it. It's a really uh, hard exam. And, you know, I would uh, respect somebody who's passed it. Um, but again, you, you know, you can never just assume that because somebody has, you know, one certain degree or one certain designation that, you know, they're going to do a good job for you. You still have to do a lot of research on that person. I think Ash Narian was an attorney. Um, he claimed to be a CPA, apparently, but he <laughs> wasn't. So, you know, you know, somebody could easily say they have a designation and they don't, or somebody, right. you know, look at uh, Bernie Madoff was like the head of, I think, NASDAQ. Right. At one point, you know, so um, obviously you'd want people with the more education, the more experience, the more credentials, but, um, also, you know, just make sure that you still research, research somebody, even if they look impressive on paper. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to me that um, a lot of the times when we have conversations, whether it's choosing their, their financial advisor, or even their sports agent, when I talk to players, a lot of them don't do the basic, just Google the name, um, which is, right. which is fascinating, you know, and it's, spend some time. This is a huge decision in your life. Go to page three, four, and five and, and see what you can dig up. And, um, you know, I think that that's massively undervalued that players need to do a lot more of. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I would actually say go to page 20. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where the gold is. <laughs> um, uh, and nowadays there's actually services. So if somebody has put something bad about you online, you can pay a company to put up a, a bunch of good articles and it'll push the bad stuff back. So you really, you know, you, and it's funny you mention it, but simple Google searches can un uncover a lot. And if you look at the current, um, NCAA scandal, I think in their initial filing, they said, you know, had these people just Googled the guy they were dealing with, uh, you know, it was obvious that he was, uh, he had just been busted and he was under investigation or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So I, I know from my experience of, of being a player and just watching, 
how players are making decisions. Part of that due diligence is they're turning to their sports agents. They're, you know, this is probably the first person that they've put a massive amount of trust in uh, to handle their contracts and, and that side of it. And a lot of times, unfortunately, we've seen that agents are referring to certain financial advisors, not necessarily because of expertise, but really maybe a beneficial relationship. Um, can you speak a little bit to, um, for athletes, how you would handle that uh, as far as the relationship between an advisor and their agent? And, and yeah, just speak on that. Sure. Um, you want to make sure that there's some sort of separation and some sort of checks and balances. You know, you don't want um, your agent and your financial advisor, you know, too close in bed together um, or else there's no checks and balances. So if your agent and your financial advisor are, you know, best friends and the financial advisor goes to sell you in a bad investment, the agent might not say anything about it. Um, so, you know, for one, you want to try to have some sort of separation. Now, that doesn't mean if your agent refers you to a financial advisor, you can't trust that recommendation. Um, you know, there are plenty of good agents out there that have relationships with good financial advisors. And so, you know, on the one hand, um, you may want to rely on your agent's recommendation. But as I've already said several times, and I'll probably say it several more times, you know, always do your homework. Yeah. And just because an agent um, recommends a financial advisor, you know, don't just blindly trust him. Um, go through, do a background check. And, you know, a lot of the, we, we keep saying do research and background checks. A lot of the players associations or the leagues themselves will offer free background checks. I know the NFL will do it and the NFLPA will do it. Um, you can either go to your, your team or the actual league itself. And I'm sure the other leagues will do similar. Um, they all have, you know, these heads of security and they have access to this background check software. So, um, you know, I guess to, to put a point on that, the, you know, just make sure that your agent and your financial advisor are not overly close and that if something bad happens, somebody will actually speak up and uh, warn you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the, the other person that we see um, involved in a lot of times in a player's life uh, is the business manager. You know, this is something that uh, I personally have pretty strong convictions about that uh, for a lot of the entertainment space, it makes a lot of sense when there's a lot of complexity moving with different royalties and those type of things. But um, for a lot of professional athletes, this is also an area where I've seen um, things not really go well because of fees and, and, and such. Can you just talk a little bit about maybe the different way that, uh, that they, uh, they are or are not regulated compared to investment advisors and, and really just kind of your thought process on business managers? Right. Um, you you kind of hit it there. I mean, business managers, um, some of them are good and some of them work for good companies, but there's no uh, regulator when it comes to business managers. There's no test you have to pass. There's no designation. There's no degree you need. Um, 
So anyone, you know, right out of uh, middle school can call themselves <laughs> a business manager. There's no, there's nothing stopping anybody from, from acting as one. And so, unfortunately, you have a lot of guys running around calling themselves business managers. Um, like you said, charging really high fees. Oftentimes, um, they don't even have any services to provide because the player already has an agent. He already has a CPA. You know, he already has a financial advisor. So oftentimes, they're not really doing too much. Um, some of them, you know, overcharge to pay your bills or provide other services that you really don't need or that one of your other service providers could have provided anyway. So, you know, there unless you're a really big player with a lot of endorsements, a lot of appearances, um, you probably don't need a business manager. You know, I, I don't want to talk bad because there are a few good ones out there, yeah. but in general, you know, you, you probably don't need a business manager if you have a good agent and a good financial advisor. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so let's get in a little bit of, of uncovering where most of these things go wrong with athletes. You know, as, as you started to mention real estate previously in the Jeff Rubin deal is, you know, when we see most of the issues, it's private investments, it's alternative investments. And there's some, there's some really sexy ones right now, right? And Bitcoin and, and marijuana and, you know, just even some private real estate. Can you just talk broadly, maybe share some stories of, you know, the alternative investment space and, and what you've seen? Yeah. So uh, I think I mentioned earlier, we, we've had, I think we're up to 27 athletes and entertainers and I think 26 of them is because of private investments. Wow. <laughs> we've only had one guy come to us because he lost money in publicly traded securities you know, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, right. ETF. Everyone else lost money in private investments. Um, they're extremely risky. They uh, oftentimes are fraudulent. Oftentimes, a lot of conflicts of interest. Um, players need to be really careful in these. And, you know, if you look at... Um, a real private equity guy, you know, he'll probably tell you, I only, you know, invest in one out of 300 companies that, that or 300 deals that cross my desk, you know, right. It, 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 there's supposed to be an extremely thorough vetting process before you invest in one of these private deals. And unfortunately with athletes, there's almost no vetting <laughs> that from what we've seen. Yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many deals I've seen where the players, uh, had no paperwork. I mean, not even a contract, private placement memorandum, I mean, the operating agreement, nothing. Um, most of them, the players couldn't even tell you what percent of the company they own if they invested in a company. Wow. Or, or what the expected return was or how they would even get a return. Um, it, it, you know, a lot of the players, they just had a really vague understanding that, you know, I'll, I'll somehow make money off of it. Um, a lot of them didn't understand how the person that sold it to them was being paid. So it, it's a really 
you know, investing in private deals is really, really hard to hit a home run. The other thing is, you know, you've already, if you're an athlete, you've already hit a home run. You've already won the lottery. You know, you've, you have this rare, unique skill that's going to pay you a lot of money. And the odds of sort of hitting a home run twice or winning the lottery twice is so <laughs> slim and so rare. Um, you know, I think that players are better off, you know, at, at a minimum, first build up enough safe investments to cover you for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Um, before you even think about a private investment or an alternative investment. Um, you know, I, we see a lot of guys who, you know, they only have a million or two million or five million net worth, and they're putting a lot of money in these private deals. And then if those deals don't work out, these guys aren't even set for life and they might have to go back to work. And so, you know, from a financial planning standpoint, they're usually a bad idea. And then if you actually do the right due diligence, they're often a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, so talking about Bitcoin and marijuana and these things, we, uh, we have one guy now who, who got, we've, we've talked to, we talked to one guy who lost money in a Bitcoin deal and couldn't help him because the money is so far gone to wow. another country that there's just no way to get it back. Um, we have another guy who put money into a crypto deal, never even got any paperwork. And now he wants to get his money back. Um, actually, I just heard about another one, <laughs> another crypto deal where, uh, I mean, I saw the paperwork and it's just a total joke. The paperwork makes no sense at all. Um, so, you know, they're, they're really, really risky. The marijuana, I've seen a couple of those deals come across from athletes. Um, you know, a couple points on those. A, typically the players are not even allowed to go near that because of the league rules. Okay. You're, you're typically not even allowed to touch that. Um, even if you were allowed to touch it, they, it's still federally illegal. <laughs> and with the current uh, situation with, you know, Jeff Sessions and yep. uh, the way the Supreme Court's going, it is really risky to invest in a marijuana company that's illegal on the federal level. They could shut it down tomorrow. Yes. Third, the, a lot of these marijuana deals, uh, if you research the people behind them, there is often, uh, you know, guys with really sketchy backgrounds involved in these companies. And you need to be extremely careful. I've seen the paperwork on some of them. You know, you'll see typos and it's just not professional at all. Yeah. So I would tell players to just stay away. Um, you know, it, it's not something that you really need in your portfolio or want in your portfolio. Right. What, what um, it, this kind of brings up a point, and it, it's, it's something that we've been asked a lot about and it's not something that we see um, in place. It's kind of the missing person at the table on a regular basis and in, in athlete circles or business circles is, is an, 
an attorney outside of their sports agent, if their sports agent even happens to be an attorney. Do you have thoughts on should players, you know, have an ongoing relationship with an attorney that is reviewing these contracts in addition to their, you know, financial advisor or agent? I would say yes. If you can find a good investment lawyer, I think that they could probably save you from a lot of uh, problems, um, you know, and if you can afford it. But you should, especially if you're going to get involved in these private deals, um, you know, I, I've looked at a lot of deals before players invested, and oftentimes it takes me five minutes to figure out that it's a scam or that they shouldn't do it. and you know, I'm not even going to send a bill for my time. I mean, I spent, you know, nothing on it. And so you can align yourself with a good attorney. I think you will, uh, you know, save yourself a lot of money in the long run, especially if you're, if you're looking at these deals. And, you know, even if you did spend a thousand or two thousand dollars, it might save you a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars. So, you know, you, you probably should run it by one. Um, It'd probably be the right thing to do. Yeah. Hey, it kind of brings up, you had tweeted about this, and I don't know if you have many thoughts on it, but uh, one of the things we've seen in sports lately is a lot of these firms that are coming and providing money up front uh, for a future percentage of their contracts. So Francisco Mejia of the Indians, right? Big League Advance. Uh, I want to say it was just over a couple, maybe 300 grand, 400 grand for 10%. And obviously now he's bringing suit. Um, you know, you have much of a thought of just even the general concept or advice to athletes as they're starting to evaluate these type of uh, opportunities. Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot now. And I guess it's mostly in the baseball world because for the lender uh, or the investor, um, it's a guaranteed, right. I guess it's a more of a guaranteed source of income, but you know, I, I think they're bad deals. I mean, you know, why would they invest in it unless they think they're going to get a massive return? And, you know, it's just not, it's not, a, it's not going to be a good deal for you. If you're a player, don't sell your future income, you know, live within your means. If you need to borrow a little money, borrow a little money, but don't sell. 10, 20% of your future earnings, you know, these people are smart. They're not going to buy your future earnings unless they think they're going to just kill it. Right. And so you're, you're selling them at a huge discount um, and, or else they won't even invest in them. And so I, I, you know, I would, I would stay far away from that if I could. It, 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 no player needs to borrow money against uh, or sell, sorry, sell their future, their future earnings. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of a, a few questions wrapping up is one of the things that we're trying to do on this podcast is, is helping those athletes that do want to make smart decisions and they want to transition into the business world. You know, we've seen guys be interested in the venture capital world or franchises or, or, you know, creating real estate passive income is what advice would you give to an athlete who is transitioning into the business world? What advice would that be and why? I would tell the athlete, um, start as soon as possible. 
you know, while you're still in the league, anybody will take a meeting with you. Um, anyone will sit down with you. If, uh, you know, if you find your passion, uh, let's just say, like you said, or real estate development or something, you find, you know, the two, three biggest real estate developers in your city, you know, invite them to a game, you know, get them field passes before the game or invite them to dinner. I mean, they're not going to believe that, that some guy on you know their team just invited them to dinner and you're going to get to sit down and start building your network, uh, you know, before you transition. And then when it comes time to transition, it's going to be so easy for you because, you know, you've already built that network. These, these guys, they think you're a great person for what you did for them. And so I would start building that network as soon as possible. Um, try to identify a passion, try to network in that, uh, whether it's in person, you know, if you don't know any people in your city that are involved in your passion, um, maybe you could talk to your team. You know, they're selling skyboxes and club level seats to all these wealthy business people in your city. Um, again, you got to research them just <laughs> because somebody's wealthy doesn't mean, you know, you can just hand them your money, but, but start building that network and figure out what you're passionate about because once you're out of the league you know not everybody might take your call not everybody might be willing to have lunch or dinner with you and um so start as soon as possible and um you know a lot of players it's very hard to transition it's a very depressing process when sports was your whole life you know, that's all you did, that's all you know, and then that's gone. And now you just have this void and you need to fill it. And so try to start as early as possible so that you don't go through that uh, that depression. Yeah, no, that that's, that's powerful and couldn't agree more. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, a player doesn't need to try to become cool through investing. Like, you're already cool. <laughs> you play you know, professional sports, everybody already thinks they're cool. So you don't need to now own an app or a nightclub or a marijuana company to be cool. Like what's cool is having a lot of money in the bank and safe investments. And, you know, so I see guys trying to, you know, uh, you know, trying to get involved in what appears to be a cool investment. And, especially today in like the basketball world. I mean, every day an article comes about, out about some athlete who invested in some Silicon Valley company. Yeah. And, you know, who, I mean, who knows if any of those will work out. And yeah. so, you know, you don't really need to be doing that. Um, and those guys have a lot more money. <laughs> yes. A lot of those basketball players that you read these articles about, I mean, these guys have $100, $200 million shoe deals. Yes. And so you're not them. You yeah. know, if you're the guy who's making a million or two million or three million or four million or five million, you're not him. You 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 can't take the risk he can take. Right. Yeah, I think that that is so wise. I mean, you you see people wanting to follow in the footsteps of Kobe and Dwayne Wade and even LeBron currently playing. I mean they're on a different stratosphere when it comes to, to the type of wealth that they have. And, you know, I think you can look at what Kobe did, you know, he's 
he's operating with a very experienced venture capital partner. Um, this is not right. a, a one-off deal. So I think so wise that last section was really gold of the don't try and be cool through investing because I really do think we see that a lot. So that, that was great wisdom. Um, just lastly, before we, we go, you know, is there any way players can interact with you before, you know, having an investment fraud situation, you know, are they, are you accessible or being able, would they be able to hire you to look through deals or, you know, what exactly do you do for clients beyond hopefully getting the money back if they end up in one of these bad situations? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately not too many people come to me on the front end, but <laughs> it does happen. And, um, you know, they can call me, uh, email me, tweet at me, whatever. I don't mind looking at things. Um, like I said, I mean, typically it's such a quick analysis that I won't even charge for it. Um, but, you know, I'm more than happy if somebody wants to review a deal, I'm more than happy to take a look at it for them. Yeah, that's great. And for the audience, I mean, uh, I would highly recommend if you don't already follow Chase on Twitter, it's at Chase Carlson. And then Check out his website too, which uh, I'll put all of this in the show notes, but uh, you know, it's uh, carlson-law.com and uh, it's really been uh, an education for me within the industry and, and for the agents listening in is, you know, Chase covers all of the breaking news, unfortunately, and it seems sadly like it's every week there's a new story breaking and, and sometimes we know um, if we're not students of the history in the past, we're, we're doomed to repeat it. And so I think just as an athlete, entrepreneur, um, seeing a lot of what's taking place, you can protect yourself. So Chase, really appreciate the time that you gave here. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, we're very thankful for the work that you're doing for the athlete community and uh, hope to have you back on the show again. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the Athlete CEO Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our show today and are ready to take action on the advice from today's episode. Our goal with the Athlete CEO Podcast is to make it the go-to resource for athletes and entrepreneurs looking to take their game to the next level. Love the show? You have any suggestions on how we can improve? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email, tweet, and share your thoughts. We do our best to read every single one. We'll see you next week with another world-class episode.